Man, last week, didn't Deshaun, Pastor Deshaun do a great job kicking off our series? Come on, y'all, y'all show him some love. And our, <clears throat> our church is, our church is, is what it is because of Pastor Deshaun. And uh, man, we, we would not be the same without him. My life wouldn't be the same without him. I'm grateful for him. And I, I felt challenged last week, and I know that you did too. And so um, thank you, D, for uh, man, just kicking us off in this series. Uh, things that Jesus uh, never said. And so the goal for us, right, and Pastor Deshaun did such a great job framing this, but then the goal for us is to recognize, one, that sometimes cultural phrases become the things in which we build our lives upon because they're convenient, because they sound good, because sometimes they feel good. And if you say them with enough energy and passion, you might actually start thinking that it's biblical. Right? Because sometimes we live our life based on the wisdom we either receive or the wisdom that we build within ourselves. And so what we're just trying to do over the next few weeks is just remind us as a church that there are some times where those cultural phrases creep in. And while it might seem like a good idea, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a God idea. And I'm the only one in here in this room that I'll give up all the good ideas I've ever had for maybe a couple, one, two, or three, just some God ideas. Many of us have spent seasons of our life chasing some good ideas only to realize that God was nowhere to be found in that pursuit. So what I want us to do today is look at one that I know we've heard, I know we've said, I know we've agreed upon it, and I think here this is not just the temptation of those that are following Jesus early in their walk. You see, many of us, if we're not careful, we'll think that this is a series that is solely dedicated to those who are exploring faith. We just want to help you sort some things out as you're starting out. But here's what I found to be true. The longer that you serve Jesus, the more you begin to give yourself license to drift. See, when we first started serving Jesus, some of y'all remember this time in your life. Man, you committed your life to the Lord and you recognized the difference between the light in him and the darkness in you. And you were living in alignment with that light for a season of time. But maturing in your faith began to feel like what? You could start making some concessions not just in your behavior. You see, many of us are really good in this room that we behavior modified to a point that we feel as if we are now living holy. But the way in which we think and the way in which we act and our motivations are not necessarily maturing, are growing in the way in which Jesus has called us to do. And so what I want us to do is, is take these in and not say, oh, that's good for you. No, no, I want us to consider these and go, man, where in my life have I adopted either this phrase or have I sold out wholeheartedly to this philosophy of thinking and to this, this phrase? So the, the one that we have today that I want to unpack is simply this. Follow your heart. Follow your heart. We've heard it. We've heard it said to us and presented to us in movies. It's been sort of that underlying current and just follow your heart. Sometimes when I, I'm either in a conversation just to let you in a window on how my mind works, some of you know this well already. Man, but when I'm in a conversation, people will say things, and here's what happens inside of my mind as you're talking. I am focused on what you're saying. And you say something, and immediately I hear a song lyric. Immediately I hear a movie quote. What you're saying triggers something, and I'm reminded of somewhere else. And so I was, I was kind of preparing for this, and this idea of like, follow your heart. And a, and, a, and a lyric came to my mind. I want to sing for you what this lyric was. 
I'm not going to sing for y'all. See, some of y'all, you want that. You heard I had a little bit of a cough. Today's not the day. When it all clears up, perhaps I will join the front line and I will lead you in worship one of these Sundays. It's the final Sunday of our church. That's what I'll do on that day. <laughs> we close the doors and have to do something else. So I was listening to this sort of fall in your heart, and, and I don't know why this old school sort of R&B jam sort of came into my heart, but it, it said, if loving you is wrong, come on, what's the lyric? Man, listen to the church, sing it. Do y'all know what that song's really about? Having an affair with a married woman. Shame on all of y'all. This, this section here, y'all were really bold in it. Loving you is wrong. I don't want to be right. So I looked up the lyrics because it was just, I was like, man, should I use this in the sermon? And I started listening to the lyrics. I said, no, we are, this is not the song to play. But doesn't it connect right with the, the heart of that phrase? And fall of your heart. If loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right. How many know that just because your heart says yes, doesn't mean that it's good for you? So today I want us to go to the scriptures. I want us to go to the word of God and see what the Bible says to us around this idea of following your heart. Some of you are going to be happy today because I had a few of you say to me, uh, he's not here this morning, so I won't call him out specifically, but this specifically was a call out that I got last week. And they said, we were in the book of Romans for eight months and you gave us four weeks of Jeremiah. That was the, the rebuke that I got from a member of our congregation. I took that into heart, and I'm now taking us back to the book of Jeremiah today. We are reading Jeremiah chapter 17, connecting the old with the new. Listen to what the Bible says, Jeremiah chapter 17. Beginning of verse 5, says, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength whose heart turns away from the Lord. Listen to the compare and contrast. He's like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness and in an uninhabited salt land. But blessed is the man who trusts the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for it leaves... Its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear the fruit. Let's remember, what's the phrase we're talking about? Follow your heart. Say it with me. Follow your heart. Now, here's what the Bible says. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Now, church, why don't we bow our heads for prayer? Father, we love you. And God, we do thank you for your grace and for your mercy. And so now I pray, God, that your word would not only be a lamp into our feet and a light into our path, but your word would be that double-edged sword. Cut us open with conviction. And may we never let the enemy of our soul confuse for us conviction and condemnation. Jesus, you do not come to condemn us. But may we never think that you don't desire to convict us. So God, I pray that we would be sensitive enough to experience your conviction. And then bold enough, courageous enough, vulnerable enough, humble enough. That as you convict us, we'd fall to our knees. We'd repent. And we'd allow you to make all things new. Jesus, we love you and we honor you. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said...
The heart is deceitful above all things. One translation says this, and it is beyond cure. Who can understand it? There is nothing more deceitful in all of creation than the heart of man. Why? Because it has inherited a sin nature. If we follow our heart, listen to me, if we're following our heart, we are following an untrustworthy guide. You ever been in a car with someone that you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt they had no idea where they were going and they were unwilling to tell you or anyone else about it? You ever have one of those moments when you're in a car and someone's driving and you know this was the turn to take and there it is in the rearview mirror. You find yourself going, where are we going? Oftentimes, friends, if we're not careful, following our heart is that adventure and missing the point. Jeremiah 17, 9 teaches that the heart is desperately sick. There's no way to fix the heart. Rather, what the Bible says to us and offers us is that we need a new heart. That's why when a person comes to faith in Jesus Christ, Paul uses this language in the New Testament that you are a new creation. Jesus says to Nicodemus, what? You have been born once, but you must be born again. This renewal has to transform not just your mind, but your heart. Don't you remember in John chapter 3 when Nicodemus and Jesus are, are sort of having this discourse? Jesus says to them, you, you must be born again. And Nicodemus goes, I don't. How? How am I going to be born again? Because he's viewing this from a physical nature. What Jesus is saying to him, no, no, listen to me. I'm not saying that you have to be born again in that way. He says, no, you just have to be made completely new. You have to be recreated Many of us, if we're not careful, here's what happens is we live our lives and we begin following Jesus and we start making some improvements. Many of us, because the culture in which we live in, we think mod behavior modification is the same thing as maturing as a disciple of Jesus. And I just want to remind you that those things are not the same. Following Jesus, yes, is going to change you from the inside out. There will be a change of mind, a change of heart, a change of thought. There will be a change in direction. So you will see some difference in your life. But do not mistake changing your behavior for also pronouncing Jesus as Lord. There are many people that come into churches week in and week out, and they think that what they have to do is adjust their behavior, and then Jesus is going to be pleased, or that God is going to smile upon them. And I'm just saying to you, friends, listen to me. If it was ever about our ability to change our behavior, we are dead in sin, and, and there's no hope for us. But Jesus has come that we might have life, and have life to the full. But the mistake that we make is we think that just because we are better than we were, or we're not as bad as they are, that somehow our heart now can be trusted, that our heart now is good. We lose sight of the heart, the fact that our hearts, as the Bible describes them, that they are wicked. So I want to say this to you with, with caution. I want to say this to you with, with an utmost sort of sincerity, and I, and I love you, but listen to me. Do not trust your heart. Do not look for like more ways to trust yourself. I was thinking about this this week, that the sign of maturity in the Christian believer in their heart and in their life is not trusting themselves more, but trusting themselves less. Amen. You know one of the marks of maturity as you're, as you're growing in your relationship with God is you are more aware of your wretchedness. You are more aware of your sinfulness. I used to think that the closer I'd get to Jesus, the better I'd feel about myself. Do you know what I'm finding to be true? That I am wicked in all ways and in more ways than I even was aware of last week. 
But the Lord begins to show you that, that you're not as good as you think you are. Why? Because you need to be dependent on Jesus. This whole idea of following your heart means then that you are leading, that you are not allowing God to be the guide of your vessel and of your life, but that you have it. Your inclinations are true. Your longings and your desires can be trusted. I want to go back to the book of Jeremiah. I want to look at Jeremiah chapter 13. I love Jeremiah's writings, and you guys have heard me say this, because Jeremiah becomes sort of, a, it's, an, it's an act, if you will. His life is the demonstration of the message in which God is trying to, to deliver. And in chapter 13, you see where Jeremiah is told to go buy a, a loincloth, an undergarment. And he's told to go buy this, and, and I want us to sort of be aware, and I'm not trying to be flip with this, but it is... A loincloth is the, one of the most personal of garments, if you will. It's not an outer garment. It's not one that other people see, but it is, a, it, it is one that's close to body, requires care. Uh, you got you to take care of it. You have to make sure that it is, is washed properly and appropriately, and you have to make sure that it is, it is not made of sort of a wool and a, and a, and a dense fabric. You got to take care of it. Are you tracking with me? It's a, it's a, it, you're going to wash this on the delicate cycle. Are you with me? Yeah. Jeremiah is told to go buy a loincloth, to wear it, don't wash it, and then go bury it. In other words, I want you not to care for it as typically instructed. And as he does this, listen to what the word of the Lord says. We're going to read verses 8 through 11. He says, then the word of the Lord came. Thus says the word of the Lord, even so will I spoil the pride of Judah and the great pride of, of Jerusalem. This evil people who refuse to hear my words, who stubbornly follow their own heart, and who have gone after, their, gone after other gods to serve and to worship them, shall be like this loincloth, which is good for nothing. If you've got your own Bible and the ability to underline that, will you underline that phrase, good for nothing? Because not only is it there, but the good for nothing phrase is also in verse 7. Whenever you see something repeated in Scripture, it is to get your attention. To see it, to pay, to pay attention to it. This loincloth is no longer, it's not good for anything. He said, for this loincloth clings to the waist of a man. So I made the whole house of Israel and the whole house of Judah to cling to me. Another, another phrase worth underlining. Declares the Lord. That they, what might be for me a people a name, a praise, a glory, but they would not listen. They would not listen. See, one of the ways in which we demonstrate that we are following after the Lord, that we're not following our own heart. Did you see it in this text? It was, it, it was said by this, that we, that we do not refuse to hear the words of the Lord. Many of us follow our own hearts because it's easier to listen to our feelings and our emotions than it is for us to get a sense of what the Spirit of God is saying to us in this moment here and now. Many of us not only do we want to follow our own heart because it is quick and because it is easy, but because we actually are very, very arrogant. We think we know best. I heard a, um, actually I read this phrase the other day. I had to share it with my dad and, and we had a good chuckle about it. It was a meme uh, on the internet and I think it might have been inspired by the Holy Spirit. As most memes are, Right? And it said this, it said, I'm at the age now 
where I agree mostly with everything my dad said. I just didn't like his tone. And I was like, that's it. And so I, I called dad. I said, dad, I said, I said, this is great. And so we had a good laugh at it. I said, I'm at that, at that point. I said, dad, it was just your tone I didn't like. I think many of us, if we're not careful, this is where we, we posture ourselves. It's not that we don't think God doesn't have, that God's not smarter than us. We don't, it's not that we don't think that God has better intentions than us. It's not that we don't think that God has a will in a way that is far beyond our will in our way. It's that we just sometimes don't like God's tone. Sometimes we th- see things and we try to outsmart or outthink God, or we try to be more sophisticated than we are submitted and, and I just want to caution us. Let's not get to the point where we're out trying to intellectualize God and we're trying not to overthink who God is. Listen to me. I'm about being intelligent and I'm about using the mind that God has given you. But please don't use your mind as an excuse to no longer be submitted to the will and to the way of the Lord. Do you see the language that God's using here throughout the book of Jeremiah, but specifically here in 13? God desperately wanted them to cling to him to be close and to be near to him. Just as the same example of, of this loincloth. Wanted to be taken care of, wanted it to be preserved. But what did the children of Israel do? They were stubborn. They went after their own way. They thought that they knew best. They, they, they forsook, the, they forsook the, the heart of God and hearing the Lord for their own way. They followed their own heart and they've gone after their other, other gods to serve them and to worship them. It was spoiled. It was good for nothing. I think when I read this text, it reminds me of Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount. When he talks about salt and light, and what does he say? If the salt loses its saltiness, how, how, will, it ever, how will it ever regain it? Regain it? It's just cast aside. It's tossed to the side. Some of you need to hear this. Your relationship with God needs to be redeemed. It needs to be restored. The way in which you are living right now, following after your own heart, you are losing You are losing the flavor that God desired for you to have. You are losing the ability to be near God because you are not listening and obeying the Lord. There is something profoundly impactful in our life when we listen and we obey. There's some of you in this room that you desire to hear from the Lord. You desire to obey. Your your life is postured. And listen to me, as your pastor, as somebody that genuinely cares for you and as somebody that desires to see God's best in your life, hear me on this. Man, if you want to hear the voice of God come through clearer and stronger in your life, let me give you the tips that I've seen to to be working in my own life as I've been journeying with Jesus for a long number of years now. Simple obedience. Don't try to look for the profound moments of, of, of demonstrative faith. Simple obedience. There was a season in my life where I was, I was serious about wanting to hear from God. I was serious about wanting to obey God. And so I remember saying something like this in prayer, like, God, whatever you say, I'm going to do it. And I was like committed to it. I was convicted. God, whatever you say, I'm going to do it. And I'm like, God, now give me the courage to, to follow through. I know that in my own strength, I might not be able to do this, but here I am, God, I'm committing. And so I remember one night, I remember this clear as day, I was sitting on the couch we were living in a house at the time, and in the house had, had a refrigerator, but the refrigerator didn't have an ice machine. These are cavemen days, I know, but I want to paint this picture for you. In order to have ice, there were these trays. And we would make fire with our own hands, and, and there were these trays, and you would fill these trays up with, with water, and you would put said water in this freezer, 
And after a period of time, do you know what miraculous would happen? Ice cubes would be formed. You would take those ice cubes out and you would fill the tray up again. And this is how you had ice. I know, mind blowing. Land's far, far away. I remember sitting on the couch and, and just, just as clear as I was sitting there, I, I felt in my, in my spirit, in my gut, in my mind, in my heart, like it wasn't audible, but I just, this, it was just simple, go fill the ice trays. I was in the middle of watching like Sports Center, getting a word from God probably, interceding for the Cubs, certainly. God help us. And I just had this thought. And so I got, I mean, I got up immediately, as if, as if the Lord was telling me to go witness to the man down the street and to tell him the good news. I got up as quickly as I could. I filled the ice trays and I sat down. And I was like, all right, was that you, Jesus? And do you know what I heard after that? Nothing. You see, many of us, we think that our, our obeying God is going to follow up with some sort of treat. Can I just remind you that God is not training us to sit, stay, and be still? So there are not treats that are then given to us each time that we do something. That's not how this works. But here's what started happening. I started hearing clearer. The more I would obey, and this is how this works, the more I would obey, the clearer the voice would get. The more I would obey, the clearer the voice would get. You know that scripture backs up that the opposite is true? Read Paul in, in the book of Romans. Paul says that what happens to us is that we're given over to our own desires and our own sinful nature. Why? Because we stop heeding the voice of God. You ignore the Holy Spirit long enough, and listen to me, friends, that voice gets turned down. What does Jesus say? He says, I stand at the door and knock. Jesus isn't kicking in the door. I'm here, guys. That's <laughs> how it works but he stands and he knocks. And what does the Bible say? If we will respond, Jesus says, I'm gonna come in and I'm gonna fellowship with you and you're gonna fellowship with me. In other words, you're gonna talk to me and I'm gonna talk back to you. In other words, I'm gonna hear your voice and you're gonna hear mine. Simple obedience is the pathway to hearing the voice of God truer and deeper. But you and I are so trained, we desire this sort of, we live in a Pavlovian culture, or this begets this, and if we do this, we get that, and our emotions provide sort of a, sometimes it's a thrill, sometimes it's a, a comfort. I'm not the only one that's probably feels this way, but, but during those, those warm winter months, maybe you've been doing good, and maybe you've been eating a little bit more sensibly. Those warm months come and you're like, uh, yes, I'll take carbs and more carbs and warm, right? Because it feels good, but it may not be the thing that's best for you. Just because you want it, just because you desire it, doesn't mean that you should have it. Let me give you some scripture here before we, as we wrap up. So what does the Bible say? The Bible says that our heart is deceitful. But listen what, it's, what it tells us. Here's the instruction it gives us, Proverbs 3, 5 through 8. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean or rely or trust your own understanding in all of your ways. Come on, church, say all. all. 
Acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Listen to me. If there's a verse that you want to learn, you're new to faith. There's a verse that you want to memorize. Here's one of them. Get this in your heart. Get this in your mind. Get this in your soul. Remind yourself, don't trust what you think, but rely on God. Let's continue. He says, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. And it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Man, the remedy for some of the sickness that you're feeling in your life might just be you need to obey the Lord and stop listening to your trashy friends. Can I get an amen in church? Matthew chapter 16. Listen to what Jesus says. These are Jesus' words. He tells his disciples, if anyone would come after me, now follow your heart, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever will save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. John 8, 12, another time where Jesus is talking to the disciples, he says to them, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but I will have the light of life. There's three things I want you to take away from our time together today, and this is the first one. One, we worship God or we make idols. This is the rhythm of humanity. You follow your heart, you will make idols. You follow the Lord and you will live a life of worship. We either worship God or we're busy fashioning idols. Now stop here for a moment and just begin to audit your life. Where are the places in which you are worshiping God in spirit and in truth? Where are the places in your life where you are fashioning idols? No one in here is void of idol making. So what we have to do is be aware of it and then we have to aggressively pursue it because we are not to receive the word of the Lord from on high and at the same time build golden calves. What idols in your life are being made and those are directly attached to where you are leaning more on your understanding than you are God. Some of you, your idol is your proficiency. Some of you, the idol that you're making has been fashioned and formed for you because you are proficient in your career. So your idol is your performance and your success. Because if you were to trust God, you might be willing to let all of that stuff go. And we worship God or we make idols. Idolatry will keep you wondering. W-A-N-D. You, you look at the, the people of God in the Old Testament. Their idol making caused them to wander. But for us, if we live a life fully devoted to Jesus, following God with our whole hearts, then we live a life of awe and wonder. Second thing I want you to grab hold of is that idol making destroys intimacy. Every heart, listen, if you want to write down a phrase today, write this down from Pastor John Piper. Every heart is an idol factory. Every heart is an idol factory. So first we have to just get over the fact that we make idols. Let's all just agree. Let's not, let's not get hung up on that one. I don't make idols. Yeah, you do. You saying that you don't make idols. That's your idol. There it is. And now let's begin to find what are the motivations in our heart, where are the broken places in us that cause us to make these idols because idols are direct representations of where we do not trust God. 
I make idols because I don't trust God. I make idols because I'm not worshiping truly. If our hearts are idol factories, we must find out where we don't trust God. Listen to me. Demonstrated faith in God is the way in which you destruct your idols. Can, can I give you just a, can I give you a, a practical thing? All right, here we go. I'm going to give it to you. There are some Sundays where, where I know just based on how things are, are going to happen. This is just, I'm, I'm about to, this is not going to feel spiritual, and I want to preface this. And if this offends you, see me in the hall afterwards, and I'll, I'll apologize and I'll allow you to be wrong. Um, <laughs> just joking. If th- listen to me. I love you. And if this does offend you, you please, you can catch me aside. You can, you can tell me. But I'm just letting you into my heart. I want to show you how this works. I'm going to give you a practical, a practical deal. There are, there are going to be some weeks for us as a church where our, where our offerings are strong, and there are some weeks where our offerings are not strong. Those are usually um, based on when some people get paid and when they don't and when they give and when they don't. You track with me so far. Haven't offended anybody here. That's not a shocker to some of you. Um, some of you are like, I don't give anyways. Well, this ain't for you. Um, like, <clears throat> it's, the, it's the cold medicine, guys. This isn't really me. I haven't taken anything today. I'm, this, is, this is all me, guys. Listen to me. There, there are days and there are times that, that the offering, it, it'll, it'll, it'll be low. Now, listen, in my younger years, that used to affect me, and I used to be real, like, jammed up about it. Do you know what I do now if we have, like, a low offering? I find a church to give money to. I find a church to give money to. Now, listen to me, and here's why. Because it ain't going to hold me. It ain't going to hold me. I'm not, I'm not going to lead this church out of some fear. I'm not going to preach the gospel out of, out of hopeful that you like what I'm saying and you're going to respond to this. Can I, can I also just say, listen to me, this goes without fail, it seems like. If we have a powerful service and God moves, I can guarantee you, I can guarantee you the offering will be low. Guaranteed. It's happened the last five times. Listen to me, listen to my heart on this. I laugh. Why? Because whenever we're having sort of like a move of God, and whenever there's that moment, I'm just, again, letting you in my heart, if this is too personal, then we'll get off this. There are moments whenever we're there, listen to me, I don't know what's going to happen. I have a sense in my gut, I have a thought in my mind, I think, but there's not a microphone back there where like God's talking to me directly. So it's the same for you and the same for me, where I'm like, God, I think this is what you're saying. Okay, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna step out here in this, and, and if I sound stupid, God, if I'm just a donkey out here, you gotta be with me. Now listen to me, when I was younger, I used to think it affected like my anointing and things like that. that I'm like, okay, God, is this how, and, and you would chase that. Now, I, I'm 43, I don't have any hair. There's a lot of gray in my beard. Like, I, what am I gonna do? I don't care, I'm not trying to be famous somewhere. I'm just trying to pastor people that I love. I'm just trying to be faithful to my family, to my wife. Like, here we are. So I come out, but that's that thin space. We're just like stepping out there and going, okay. Man, and then people respond in the moment and you see God move and you go, oh gosh. There's nobody in the room more happy than me in that moment. I'm like, man, ice cubes. You see? Sitting on my couch, ice cubes. 
Me back there going, God, what are you saying in this room? And maybe the Lord will put on my heart, pray for a marriage, call something out here, say this. It's the same. So listen to me in the same way the distraction of Sports Center was trying to keep me from filling up ice trays. The same thing in terms of like fear or practicality tries to get in the way here. And I'm just letting y'all know, I'm not a slave to any of that. I, that's not how we're rolling here. Man, God has provided, God has been so faithful to our church. Our church has been so generous to people that are, that are, that are among us and in our community and to the ends of the earth. Man, I, so I'm just telling you, whenever those moments, and I feel like the enemy challenges me on that sort of, on that front, wherever I feel in my life like the enemy is fighting, then I'm, I'm going after him right there. And so listen to me. If I have one of those, those moments and I go, ah, and I'll, I'll send a text to people on our team, our CFO. Okay, here's what we're going to do. I want us to do such and such. Boom, boom, boom. Like, all right, cool. And that's over and above that 10% as a tithe, as a church, we're giving out. We're not going to be hung up on that stuff. Why am I telling you that? Because there's things in your life that the enemy's attacking you on following God wholeheartedly, and you're trusting and you're leaning into your own understanding and your own wisdom, I decided a long time ago that I want to live my life based on supernatural authority and supernatural principles in my life. So, so that means sometimes it's not going to make sense. And I'm going to do it. Because you know what else doesn't make sense? Virgin birth. You know what else doesn't make sense? Resurrection from the dead. You know what else doesn't make sense? Supernatural healing. Gifts of the spirit. Like It don't make no sense but I'm not trying to live based on what makes sense to me intellectually. Man, I'm trying to submit my heart and my life to God fully. They're playing the music. That means I'm supposed to be done. <laughs> Let me give you all the last point. Would you stand to your feet all across the room? Here's where we're going to close. All of your heart in all of your ways. Give God all of your heart and follow him in all of your ways. Our hearts, they're deceitful. Our emotions, they're fickle. But the Lord can be trusted. His ways, his rule, far beyond ours. Church, can we pray? Father, we love you. Thank you for your grace and we thank you for your mercy. We thank you, God, for being with us today. And Lord, we'd ask that you would just give us the courage to follow you. Just going to ask you to respond uh, in this moment. But if you're here, I want to pray for you because I know some of you, this has been a, this is a tough one. But are you here today and you want to make a, a decision, you want to make a declaration where, hey, I, I don't want to follow my heart anymore. I don't want to follow my well and my way anymore. I want to, I want to submit to the Lord. I want to follow him fully. I keep getting this feeling in the, in the room today that 
There are some of you, you've, just been, you've been partially following Jesus for a real long time. And right now what I think the Holy Spirit is saying to some of you, I think Jesus is trying to remind you that he's not after part of your heart, he's after all of it. He's after all of it. If that's you, if I'm talking to you right now in the room, I want you just to lift your hand. Yeah, Jesus, he doesn't want part of it, guys. He wants all of it. He wants all of it. Full surrender. Full surrender. Yeah. God, you see our hands and you know our hearts. Lord, we long to serve you. We long to know you. We long to follow hard after you, oh God. Help us. Help us. Lord, you see my friends with their hands raised. You know the areas of their life, God, that they've been protecting from you. And I feel like the Holy Spirit would just say to you right now that you can trust God with your whole heart. Places that you couldn't trust others with, you can trust Jesus with. Father, we thank you for that. Give them strength and give them courage to follow you. Simple obedience. Simple obedience. We love you, Lord. We give you all the honor. Give you all the praise. And all God's people said, amen. So church, may you leave here today making the decision to no longer follow your heart, but to follow Jesus. You can trust him. He's a better leader than you are. Now be a better follower than you have been. Go in the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ until we gather again together next week to party like three-year-olds. Grace and peace, church. We love you so much. We'll see you next week.